Good afternoon and thanks for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. My name is Kyle Bruce and I'll be your moderator for today's show. And today we have a bit of a full house as I'm joined by co-moderator Kim Shirk and of course author Larry Sternberg, our expert on management techniques, the research behind them and why effectively implementing them can make a difference. Today's show is our second to last of our series on managing to make a difference and today we're going to do a review of sorts on the segments of the book and recap some of our favorite lessons stories and best practices. So Larry Kim, let's just go ahead and get started. Uh, the first segment of managing to make a difference is on cultivating positive relationships. You know, a lot of management books start with business theory and some cliches about leadership and management, but you and co-author Kim Turnage start with relationships. Why did you make this choice, Larry? Tell us a little more about that. Well, uh, it's highly uh, proven that uh, managing is all about relationships. And I think in many uh, cases, people have been taught the wrong thing about relationships. They've been taught, don't get close to your people. Uh, they've been taught things like familiarity breeds contempt. Uh, and they, they, and Kim Turnage and I uh, believe, and there's a lot of research to back this up, that that's all misguided information. So uh, there's nothing, when you're leading and managing people, there's nothing more important than your relationships with each of those people. And, and Larry, when I looked at the, you know, the first section of the, the book, you know, I, I thought, you know, one of my favorite chapters is go ahead and get close to your people. And in, frankly, an awful lot of our listeners like that one as well was one of our uh, one of the commonly listened to uh, radio shows, as well as uh, some of the blog posts that we we posted on this, go ahead, get close to your people. A lot of people uh, were drawn to that and pretty excited about it. Tell tell me, you know, why do you think people were so interested? Why why do they connect to that one so much? You think? Well, like a lot of the lessons in the book, it's contrarian it's widely accepted that you shouldn't get close to your people. And then the reasons given are many. Well, you might have to discipline them. And if you're too close to them, that might interfere with your ability to discipline people or even to fire them when that becomes necessary. Uh, things get messy when you get too close to your people on a personal basis. Um, those kinds of things. And as I say, they, one of my, my favorites is familiarity breeds contempt. Uh, so you need to have an arm's length relationship with your people. It's not, it's not good to get too close. You know, and, and we talked a lot about ways to get close to people, to build relationships. You know, some of those lessons and exercises, do you have a favorite exercise um, in general, when you think about cultivating positive relationships, do you have an exercise that, that you think is just one of the best ones to use? Uh, yes, um, I do. Okay. I, think, I think if you do jumping jacks together, yeah. this will really build your relationship <laughs> really, yeah, with your employees. Good. So every morning, start off with uh, jumping jacks. Uh, <laughs> I do, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, that was humor, or at least an attempt at humor. So uh, the, the real answer to Kyle's question is there is an activity, we lay it out in the book, uh, it's called Focus on You. And Focus on You uh, has two or more people make notes about the answers to a set of questions and then read their notes to each other. 
And this is a trust building exercise. It only takes a few minutes. And the return on investment of time and effort is quite remarkable. So we give, that's a very practical tool that we give people in the book. We, we Kim Turnage and I wanted to make sure that we weren't writing a book that was just about theory, et cetera. We wanted to ensure that we were giving people practical advice that they could really put the book down and go and do this if they wanted to. And so uh, the focus on you exercise in this book is, is a great way to start off a relationship. You know, that's a great place to jump in here and kind of remind our readers. I know we've, uh, our readers, our listeners, I know we've kind of talked about this before, but managetomakeadifference.com is a microsite that we've created um, with some of these exercises on there. And so if you actually want to see the exercise focus on you and feel free to use it with your own management teams, you should go to managetomakeadifference.com and it's right there for everyone. I know it's something we do all the time here from the very first day that we start here at Talent Plus and and on um, as we build relationships with new people that come into the organization, it's a great exercise. So I highly encourage you to check that out. Well, Larry, you were talking about being a little contrarian to sort of general management theory. And, and one of the chapters of this section is accept people as they are. And another one is tolerate undesirable behavior. You know, tolerate undesirable behavior is certainly contrarian. But I also think that the way you and Kim talk about accepting people as they are is a little different advice. Uh, can you remind us a little more about some of the lessons from those chapters? Yeah, I would be happy to because that chapter, uh, the first one is chapter four, accept people as they are. I think that's the most important chapter in the book. And it certainly is the most important principle in building good relationships with another person. And this applies whether it's in your personal life or your business life. Try this. Accept people as they are. I'm going to put it in another way. Quit trying to change people. If you will just do this, you will transform your relationships. So often in business, we bring people in for performance evaluations and we tell them things like, you need to be more outgoing. Or you, you, need to, you need to be less sensitive or you need to be better organized or uh, so many things that we're asking people to be somebody they're not. We're asking people for behaviors that they do not have in their repertoire. They're not wired that way. They can't give you these behaviors. And we, we're, we're pretty cavalier about, about doing this. And if people will just adopt this one principle, after you listen to this podcast, when you're going about your day, just quit asking people to change. When you go home at night after work, quit asking your spouse to change. I can't tell you how many people after I have taught this in, in a live classroom, I can't tell you how many people have come up to me after the, uh, after the class or even interrupted me with a question and said, hey, will you call my husband and tell him, <laughs> To, to quit asking me to change. And I always, I always offer to call because this will transform your relationships. And that's why we need to tolerate some undesirable behaviors because quite frankly, you know, I, I, just, I was just teaching this uh, particular point uh, day before yesterday in California. And I had somebody say to me, 
You know, my girlfriend's daughter, her room is terribly messy. And my girlfriend and, and the, the, the uh, young lady in question with the messy room is 16. And my girlfriend is constantly criticizing her on a daily basis because her room isn't clean. And when, when and it's, he described how messy it was to me, and I assure you, very messy. And he said, when I go home, I'm going to have a talk with my girlfriend and I'm going to encourage her to quit criticizing her daughter about the messy room and just see what happens to their relationship. I understand the room will still be messy, but it's been messy. And she's been trying to fix this for a very long time and it's still messy. So, yes, the room will remain messy, but the relationship, what's more important with your daughter, the clean room or your relationship with your daughter? And you might say, Larry, I want it all. Well, guess what? With real human beings in the real world, you don't get it all. Everybody has aces and spaces. Everybody has things that in the ideal world we wish were different. I am as bald as a billiard ball. And it might well be the case that my wife would rather I had a full head of hair. But uh, as a matter of fact, I don't. And uh, she accepts that. She doesn't really have a choice. <laughs> and sometimes we think we do have a choice. That's my point. Sometimes we want somebody to change. And we spend so much time on that agenda that it is negatively impacting our relationship. We do this at work and we do it in our personal lives. So I know this is a very long answer to your question, Kyle, but this, in my opinion, is the most important thing people can take from this book. You can apply it, it's practical, and it does mean that you have to accept some undesirable behaviors. People have aces and spaces, and if you wanna improve your relationships, accept people with all of their aces and spaces and quit trying to change them. Thanks, Larry. I, I, I know it was a long answer, but it was a good answer. So uh, we've got about a, a minute and a half, two minutes here. And, you know, section number two of the book is Accelerate People's Growth. Do you have a favorite chapter from, from this section? Uh, mine's a Abandon the Follow Shirley method, but I think it's just because it's got a great name. But Well, I think it's Prioritize One-on-Ones and the chapter that precedes it, which is Make People Significant. People will grow if they are involved with other people, if they have the right kind of relationships. Human beings do not grow in a vacuum. Growth requires social interaction. And so the right kind of relationships with people will help them grow. And part of that right kind of relationship is starting with what I just talked about. Accept the person as he or she is and don't try to change them. If you want somebody to grow, they're gonna grow in relation to their gifts. They're gonna grow in relation to who they are and the gifts that they've been given. So if you, if you want people to grow, you have to make them significant and you have to prioritize one-on-one -on -one time with them. So those are my, my two favorite chapters in that section. Well, and you also have a, a section titled Kick Butt in the Right Way. Um, and, and this is in, in the Accelerate People's Growth uh, section. Um, and I'm just curious, it's, a, it's an odd title, but I, I thought it was kind of funny and, and uh, catchy. So why, what does this mean, kick butt in the right way? Well, first of all, it, the reason we even included this is 
after a lot of discussion, we decided that if we wanted to make a, a, a book about managing to make a difference in people's lives, sometimes kicking butt is the right technique. Sometimes it's the right choice. It's, it certainly isn't the only choice, and it certainly isn't the behavior that uh, Kim and I would recommend that any manager leads with that behavior before trying other things. But there are certain situations where it is the right technique, provided that it's done in the right way. And it so happens, I see that we're coming up on the end of this segment. So maybe when we start the next segment, I can talk about what is the right time and what is the right way and why would you choose to do this or not do it. So I guess in this way, we'll start with kicking butt. All right. Absolutely. Well, uh, we're going to bump up against the break here uh, to, to hear some commercials from uh, our sponsors. If you'd like to learn more about managing to make a difference or learn more from Larry, uh, just like he was out in California this week speaking about managing to make a difference, you could uh, have Larry come speak at your organization, conferences, seminars, workshops. Larry does it all. You'll learn more about the special techniques of from managing to make a difference. So consider having Larry come speak for you. All you have to do is just click the email host button uh, and ask for some information on uh, Larry's speaking schedule and uh, get scheduled to do that right away. So we'll be right back, folks. We'll see you in a few more minutes uh, for great information from Larry, Kim, and Kyle. the boardroom to you voice america business network asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how join talent plus on site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you leadership toolbox focuses on individual engagement talent and fit team dynamics and growth and creating a strength-based culture this interactive seminar style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now reserve your spot today at talentplus.com when managers make a significant impact their teams are engaged motivated and excited they love what they do when those people work for you you get results results matter and people drive results at talent plus we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission vision and values our online assessments and person-to-person -person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info 
at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference this afternoon. Again, I'm joined with our host, or our co-host, Kim Shirk, and our author, Larry Sternberg. Um, You know, in our first segment, we talked about, uh, you know, the first elements, the first couple groups of chapters in Managing to Make a Difference, and really knowing that managing is all about relationship. You know, general management theory is is a little bit misguided and, and focused not really on getting close to your people, where Larry and Kim... Uh, our esteemed authors think it's it's incredibly important and really one of the most important things in order to really effectively manage people. Uh, and Larry talked about the most important chapter of the book, which is accepting people as they are and stop trying to change people, essentially, uh, and how that can really impact and improve your relationships. We ended the, the broadcast with a focus on uh, the fact that sometimes kicking butt is actually the right choice when you're trying to accelerate people's growth. And uh, Larry had a couple more comments he wanted to make on that. So we'll start with more kicking butt, Larry. Yes. Well, I, I want to remind everybody that some managers use this as their default technique. That's pretty much all they do is, is kick butt and they occasionally take names. And uh, what Kim Turnage and I want to do is raise people's awareness about what can be accomplished with this technique and what can't be accomplished and hope people are thoughtful and intentional about using the technique and not make it their default technique. Here's what cannot be accomplished by kicking butt. If somebody screws up on the job, kicking butt doesn't give them the capacity to do better. Uh, Kicking butt can give people some urgency. It can help get people focused. It can help you emphasize a point. But what it's not going to do is increase people's capacity to perform better. You can't do that by kicking butt. And there are some people who report to you who respond very well to that. I've had plenty of employees who, uh, you know what, they just needed uh, a kick in the butt every once in a while. Uh, But not everybody responds to that technique. There are people who you will turn off if you use that technique, and particularly if you overuse that technique. There are people who will be turned off by you. So this is something we touch on a lot in the book. We call it individualized approach. And you must know whether or not the person whose butt you're kicking is likely to respond to that and, and make sure you're not trying to uh, make them perform better, thinking that if I just punish them enough, somehow or other, this will give them the capacity to perform. It might give them the motivation, but motivation and capacity to do something are two different things. So we just wanted to make sure that people knew that, yes, this is a technique that can be helpful, but 
you as a manager need to be thoughtful about uh, on whom you use this technique and in what circumstances and what can hope to be accomplished by the use of that technique. So, Larry, we have uh, when we think about the next couple of sections of the book, we have maximize engagement and motivation and, and building extraordinary teams. Um, you know, when I think about maximizing engagement and motivation, you know, engagement's huge. You know, everybody's talking about how disengaged the American workforce is and, you know, and, and you know, all this doom and gloom about, you know, less than 30 percent of people are actually engaged in, the, in their work and, and those sorts of things. Um, when you and Kim were thinking about the, these, this section of the book, maximizing engagement and motivation, as well as even building extraordinary teams in, in segment four, what what was your motivation to do that, and, and what do you think about engagement in the workplace? Well, our, our motivation was simply, again, if if a manager wants to make a difference in the lives of his or her employees, one of the ways to do that is to maximize the engagement of each person and the motivation of each person. Their lives will be better. You'll make a positive difference if you can do that. And one of the most important principles to do this is to truly empower your people. And when we use the word empowerment, we are talking about giving individuals the absolute authority to make decisions about how they are going to pursue the mission of the organization, about how they are going to accomplish the goals, the outcomes that you have assigned to them and for which they're accountable. If you wanna increase their engagement, empower them to make the decisions necessary to bring about those outcomes, that gives them psychological ownership of not only their activities, but also the outcomes. If you're micromanaging and you're telling people do this, do that, do this, do that, they don't own the outcome. You own the outcome. And and that's just very important for people to remember. The more you empower your people, the more you allow them to make decisions and take action without checking with you, the more engaged and motivated they will be. And that will make a positive difference in their lives. So that's just one of the principles in that section. And one of the interesting chapter titles I thought in, in this group is do not sit, uh, you know, do not sit on good people. What in the heck were you and Kim thinking when writing this chapter? You no, know, this happens so often in the workplace. It's, it's uh, every single listener will have experience with this. And here's what it looks like. Somebody is doing great in their job and they are ready for a transfer or promotion and you don't want them to leave your department because they're adding so much value that if they leave your department, your department is not gonna be better off. That's what we're talking about. That's what sitting on somebody is. They're doing great and I, you, you know, you, what you might say to yourself is I can't afford to lose them, which is an overstatement. What it really is, is you don't want to lose them because it creates a challenge for you in the department. And when you sit on somebody who is ready for a promotion and you're doing it for your own selfish purposes, I will tell you what's going to happen. And we tell you in the, in the book, they're going to leave. People will act to meet their needs. And when somebody is ready for a transfer or promotion and you as their boss don't champion that, 
and help them get that transfer of their promotion, even if it means this is going to create some challenges for you. The best managers willingly accept those challenges on behalf of that person who's ready for that promotion. And instead of blocking it, they advocate for it and they're willing to take on the extra challenge, the extra work to now get somebody else up to speed and compensate for the fact that you're losing such a good uh, team member. So don't do that because the outcome is you're going to lose the person anyway because they will find an opportunity somewhere else and they will leave. When somebody is ready for that kind of a promotion, they are going to leave you and and best they stay in your organization and best you be their champion as opposed to them showing up one day and saying, hey, I just accepted an offer from our competitor. I think it's really interesting when we look at Section 3 that maximize engagement and motivation to think about creativity, to think about thinking outside of the box. You know, I sat in a meeting just this morning and had done, you know, three, six weeks of brainstorming. And at the end, they were trying to get to a conclusion. You know, where do we go from here? And some of these chapter titles that I'm just looking at right now could have helped this group so much. Set some challenging goals, be unreasonably optimistic. And then it marches right into that next section, build extraordinary teams. And I just think as we move through the book and as we contemplate the things that you have stepped out here, what I'm really um, always impressed by is a lot of these things The titles that you talk about, the topics that you talk about are common sense, but it's not things we think about strategically putting into place. And that's what I love about this book. So when you think about building extraordinary teams, Larry, and you've built many, 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 um, and I've witnessed them and been fortunate enough to be a part of a couple of them, um, what comes to your mind about the most important thing that would fall into section four here of building extraordinary teams? The most important thing for me is one of the chapter titles is bet on talent. And let me remind our listeners the way we're using the word talent because we've been flogged by this word uh, for several years now and people are using it in different ways. So it's important for you to know how we're using it in the book and how we use it at Talent Plus. Talent is the potential to do something with excellence. A reasonable synonym for talent, the way we use the word, is aptitude. So when we say bet on talent, we're saying bet on aptitude. And a corollary to that is don't emphasize experience and education in certain kinds of positions. I was just out in California teaching these concepts to a group of uh, an association of of country club managers. And I was uh, helping them understand that uh, chances are many of them, when they're hiring uh, hourly rank and file employees like waiters and other people who might work at the country club, uh, they're requiring a certain number of years of experience. And I was encouraging them to abandon that requirement. Uh, if you if you list all the deficiencies of any new person you hire, the only one that I can guarantee you I can fix is lack of experience because I guarantee you if you hire a person today with no experience three years from now, that person will have three years experience. It's the only thing that goes away. Raising it to a barrier to employment is unwise. It's going to go away. So instead of focusing on experience, and I understand there are some kinds of jobs, there are some kinds of roles where experience and education is a very important consideration. But for a lot of them, 
It's not. And you can bet on aptitude. You can bet on talent rather than making experience a barrier to getting hired in that job. And if you do that, by the way, you're going to increase the diversity in your workforce. Well, Larry, it looks like we're coming up on a break here again. Uh, we just, you know, time is flying here. Uh, but we'll be right back with more insights from Larry uh, and, and talking about the various sections of the book. You know, if you've, if you've moved, you know, in your organization, moved some people to, to new roles, new management uh, opportunities, new uh, promotions, that sort of thing with the new year, and they're sort of just getting into the role and, and figuring it all out, you might find that managing to make a difference might be an, an excellent book to give each of those managers. If you get a lot of them, uh, you might want to think about getting a discount. So check out 800ceoread.com uh, if you want to get a really nice discount on uh, a large bulk order of managing to make a difference. So check that out. You might like it. And as Kim said a little bit earlier in the podcast, uh, if you're looking for some supporting documents that go along with the types of things that Larry is talking about, uh, the, the the exercises and lessons in the book, you can go to managetomakeadifference.com and pick up some of those uh, and just worksheets and exercises to help you out. So we'll be right back in a few minutes, and we'll talk more with Larry and with Kim about the book. Talk to you in a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. 
Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference. And today has really been focused on reviewing this amazing leadership book and some of our favorite stories, lessons, and practical applications. Uh, so if you're just joining us, we, we've talked about the first couple segments in the book. Uh, and really, we started the last segment talking about kicking butt shouldn't be your only technique or your default technique uh, in motivating your employees. You know, kicking butt does not necessarily increase people's capacity to do better, uh, although it may motivate them on a, occasion it doesn't increase their capacity to, to, for really great improvement. No, really to accelerate growth, you, you really need to individualize your approach to each and every single employee. That's where you're, sort of where the magic is going to happen. Uh, to truly empower your people, you've you got to give them individual authority to decide how they will reach their goals or accomplishments. Um, and Larry uh, said the most important chapter in that particular section is really betting on talent. Uh, you know, betting on aptitude, we start talking about building extraordinary teams. So that moves us into a couple more segments, of the, uh, sections of the book here, Larry, shaping your culture and embracing change. Uh, what are some of your favorite stories or lessons from uh, from the first chapter, our first group there, uh, shape your culture? Well, there, there's a couple I want to focus on in, in this review. And one is emotional rehiring. Now, what that happens to be chapter 52 where if, if you want to shape a culture, we're encouraging you to have a culture of appreciation, a culture of recognition, a culture of celebration for what is going right and what is being accomplished. And a very powerful and practical technique is emotional rehiring. Emotional rehiring is simply saying to another person, you know, I saw the way you handled that upset customer and you listened, you calmed them down just by your demeanor and your tone of voice. It was clear to them that you were hearing them, that you cared about them and you told them what you were going to do to fix their problem. And by the time they were done with you, they really were satisfied. And, and I just wanted to say that was wonderful to watch. It made a big contribution to our organization, and I'm glad you're here. I just emotionally rehired that individual. And so that can be done verbally the way I did. You can write a short note and say the same thing in a short note. Uh, and uh, I always include the phrase, I'm glad you're here. And I do it because I mean it. And so there's plenty of opportunities to emotionally rehire people. Um, I, I, I did this uh, last week. I was dealing with a colleague who was helping me get some materials together that I, I needed for uh, a program that I was going to teach. And I just said to her, you know what? It is such a good thing for my peace of mind to know that you always have my back. And I don't say this to you all the time, but I, I want you to know I don't take that for granted. And I sincerely appreciate it. And I just emotionally rehired that particular associate here at Talent Plus. And uh, you can do this with your family, by the way. You can do this with your significant other. You can do this with your children. 
You can do this with, with anybody in your life, but to occasionally just give them that affirmation. And if you're sincere and you're specific about what it is you're thanking them for, you will have emotionally rehired that individual. Well, and Larry, when I think about you know, shaping your culture. It's, it's very deliberate uh, with what you and Kim have talked about in the book. And, you know, and I always think about culture and I, I always put that simple definition of culture is the way we do things around here. And I think the way you've, you've laid out this particular section, um, you know, you go from talking about how to welcome new employees, um, you know, thinking about the, the folklore and, and some of the, the history of your organization, talking about your cultural values and expectations, and even how you give feedback and encourage people and uh, those sorts of things. You know, the way I think about culture is you can either be deliberate and, and try to create the type of culture you want, or you can just let it happen. Um, and I think great managers, great leaders, um, they think about that and are very deliberate about um, building the culture they want to have in their sort of organization. And when I, when I think about the one of the chapters I really enjoy was the adjust to accommodate new employees. Um, when you and Kim wrote that chapter, uh, you know, adjusting to accommodate new employees, why is that so important in, in building a good organization? Well, because many managers insist that the employees adjust to them. They have power and they use that power to insist that the employees adjust to them. And we're encouraging managers to honor who this new employee is. Again, let's not try to change the employee. Uh, let's make some adjustments to the extent that we can make some adjustments to accommodate who that person is. They're going to sincerely appreciate that. And let's remember, we're not just doing it for that one person. We keep talking, uh, you know, our examples are all one person, but we're doing that for every single person on the on the team and making those adjustments uh, is can be a part of your culture. So what what we're addressing is the managers who, who just basically say, well, I'm the boss and people have to adjust to me. Uh, people will know when you're doing some adjusting too. they'll pay attention and they'll sincerely appreciate it and things will go better when both people in a relationship make some adjustments. In chapter 55, it's uh, entitled Encourage Employees to Have Fun. And it's always a chapter that kind of catches my eye. You know, our chairman and founder often says um, building a culture is about more than giving out a free T-shirt. And I think the culture that you embrace in your day-to-day -day work, in the celebrations and recognitions that you have, in the opportunities that you give the communities within your organization to come together, to laugh, to have a good time, to, again, celebrate accomplishments is really important. What comes to mind for you when you think about that particular chapter, chapter 55, encourage employees to have fun? You know, I, uh, what comes to mind is I recently facilitated a mission, vision, and values uh, session that took a couple of days with a top group of executives who are, are forming a company. And uh, they went through uh, a process with me and they, and they did, they, they really articulated an inspiring and authentic uh, set of statements about who they were and, and who they wanted to be. And they were committed 
to walking their talk on every single aspect of those statements. And at one point, I fed back to them that I said, you know, you, you've done this and it's, it's really impressive. It's wonderful. I can, they were emotional about it. And I said, by the way, you've never mentioned fun. And they, there were six of them. And their eyes got wide and they dropped their jaw and they said, well, we want to have fun. We, we want our <laughs> people to have fun. And I said, I'm sure you do, but I'm just pointing out to you that it wasn't top of mind for you about your cultural values. And they were backpedaling and sidestepping and dancing and they were doing all kinds of things. And um, uh, one of them said, uh, well, of course we want to have fun. We're going to make sure people are making time for social time together. And I, I, I said, yeah, that's not, you know, people need to be able to have fun every moment of the day at work. That's what fun is about on the job. It's not, okay, it's social time. Now we can have fun. It's, it's that people ought to be allowed to have fun while they're working. And this means maybe they're telling each other jokes. Maybe they're doing stupid things like shooting rubber bands at each other and, or God knows what. Um, circulating stupid jokes, uh, but uh, whatever it was, uh, one of my favorite examples is we, we had a department head here who every once in a while, uh, her team used to have sock day and they would all compete with wearing uh, the craziest, stupid looking socks that, uh, that they could find and they would all have a good laugh about that uh, during the day. Uh, we used to have a, we used to have a, we don't do this anymore at Town Plus, but we used to have secret Santa around the, uh, around the Christmas holidays. And um, I created something with some of my friends here. We were having a contest to see who could buy the most bizarre secret Santa gift for under $10 because we didn't want people's budgets to be, be an issue on this. And I've got to tell you, there were some very bizarre gifts. And I'm proud to tell you, uh, some of my secret Santa recipients still keep some of the bizarre gifts I gave them. And one of them was, I got this in a gas station. It was a hamster in a karate gi, a little statue <laughs> of a hamster in a karate gi. And when you pushed the button, it would sing Kung Fu uh, summer. Fighter. Kung Fu, fi <laughs> Kung Fu fighting. And it had nunchucks. And it was the stupidest, tackiest. Uh, but the recipient of that still has it on her shelf in her office in another company. Well, so that's having fun. Larry, you, you just seem to make a big impression on people wherever you go. Wherever <laughs> you, get them, right? you have the, we're going to run a, into a break here, but the, the, the last or the next section of the group, the book here is embracing change. Um, you know, organizations spend, you know, millions of dollars probably on change management programs. Um, you talk about embracing change. What, what are some of the key takeaways from this group, this section? Actually, I'm, I'm going to state a key takeaway that's not in the section. Okay. That if I were writing the book I'll today change. Would, be, would be in the book. And that is we used to think about managing change as something that happened periodically in a business. That, okay, now we're going through a change and, you know, we're putting in a new computer system or we've decided to create a new line of products or something of the sort. Now we're managing change 
and uh, it was something that happened uh, periodically. We live in a time now where the pace of change has accelerated to such a degree that it's not something that happens periodically. There's disruption after disruption after disruption. And we are living in a soup of change. So this point of view that managing change is something that only has to be done periodically, we need to get beyond that point of view and accept the fact that our world has changed and that managing change is now a fundamental part of every manager's job all the time. We're going to manage change. So that's the main thing I, I want to get across about that. So why, why don't we come back and we'll talk a little bit more about managing change and we'll talk about the last section of the book, Investing in Your Own Growth, as soon as we come back from our break and we hear more from Kim and from Larry on managing to make a difference. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how join talent plus on site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you leadership toolbox focuses on individual engagement talent and fit team dynamics and growth and creating a strength-based culture this interactive seminar style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now reserve your spot today at talentplus.com when managers make a significant impact their teams are engaged motivated and excited they love what they do when those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person -person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference. And today has really been focused on reviewing this amazing leadership book with uh, Larry Sternberg and Kim Shirk, my uh, co-moderator. Uh, we've really been talking about some of our favorite stories, lessons, and, and practical applications from uh, managing to make a difference. And really, we left 
you know, our, our last segment, we were talking about, um, you know, shaping your culture and embracing change and knowing that um, one of the really powerful aspects of, of shaping your culture is that emotionally rehiring of your people, you know, simply saying, you know, I saw you do this or that and you did it really exceptionally and, and made such a big difference. And I just wanted to say um, it was wonderful to see you do that. And I'm glad you're here. And that, that powerful statement of I'm glad you're here. Uh, also, you know, being deliberate about creating the type of culture you want in your organization, not just sort of letting it happen. Um, and, and building culture is more, to, to Kim's point, is more than just giving away a free T-shirt. Uh, you know, you've got to have fun. You've got to create celebrations. You have to be deliberate about the values and the principles you want your organization to reflect. Um, and as we were, were leaving, uh, we were talking about change and embracing change. And, and Larry wanted to talk about one of the most fundamental pieces uh, to creating a culture that embraces change. So I'm going to turn it over to Larry to, to bring us back to that topic. As a manager, the most important thing you can do is select people for your team who have an appetite for change. That way, the resistance gets reduced. The, the, and I think we need to make this something as important as having a positive attitude. You don't want to select people on your team who don't have a positive attitude. I think we need to elevate this characteristic, this having an appetite for change. There, there, you need to hire people who don't like the status quo who are always looking to do better, who are always looking for something to change, uh, and then th those people exist. You know them. You may be one of them, and you can, you can point to employees who have an appetite for change, and you can point to employees who absolutely do not. But as we go forward and select and hire people for our teams, we have to hire people who have an appetite for change. That way, uh, managing change becomes about something other than overcoming resistance. That's a really, really good point. You know, and, and change, as you said, it, it's happening every single day in some sort of way. And how, you know, can you manage through it or do you just embrace it and you figure out how to work through it? Um, the last group, you know, the last section of the book is investing in your own growth. And, you know, the book is called Managing to Make a Difference. But now here we're, we're talking about investing in your own growth. Larry, why, why is this important um, when you think about managing to make a difference? Why did you and Kim decide to uh, create a whole section on this? Well, uh, as, as any of our listeners grow as human beings and as managers, they're increasing their capacity to make a difference in the lives of others. So uh, we encourage everybody to invest in their own growth to to move forward in their careers and just simply to increase their capacity to make a difference in the lives of the people they care about, both professionally and personally. And one of the chapters in this section is uh, spend more time with the 20. Um, it's it's a little bit nebulous and by design, I'm sure. But what, what do you mean by spend more time with the 20? Uh, and why is that important to your own growth? Well, the, this is the Pareto phenomenon. Uh, it's called the 2080 rule. Uh, you might know it by that by that rule. And Pareto discovered that this ratio holds in a lot of cases. So 20% of your revenue is probably, I mean, 80% of your revenue is probably coming from 20% of your customers. Uh, if you want to look at employee turnover, correlate it with supervisors. I will bet you that approximately 80% of your employee turnover is coming from about 20% of your managers. This Pareto phenomenon holds across uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, different professions. 
and, or, or different circumstances. And so the question that is often asked is, what's the 20 that gets you the 80? If you want to focus your time, what's the 20 that gets you the 80? So if you're in college and you want to get the best grades, what's the 20 that gets you the 80? It might be doing your homework and studying. <laughs> uh, uh, but there's a lot of other activity that goes into things. And when we think about our, our activities during a given day, we spend so much time answering emails and things of the sort, and it's not the 20 that gets you the 80. Uh, so we have to do this. And so when it comes to your own growth, what's the 20 that gets you the 80? It's clarify your goals. You want to grow in a certain direction. And we're talking about professionally here, but you can also do this personally. Clarify your goals, and then in light of those goals, ask the following question. What are the one or two vital activities that will make the biggest difference in achieving those goals? Uh, and some of those activities might be important, but not urgent. That's the problem with email and texts. They're urgent, but they might not be all that important. But we tend to respond to the urgent, and we have to be more deliberate about making time for the important, but not urgent. So if you're uh, a college student or a high school student, uh, studying might not be urgent unless there's a test tomorrow, but it's important. So you make time for it. You actually, if you have a planner, you put it in your planner, your schedule time for it. So it might be reading something. It might be uh, who knows what. It might be networking if you're working on your own growth. Uh, but there are very important things that aren't so urgent. And unless you're intentional about scheduling time to work on them, what happens is the urgent just overwhelms your day. You're responding, 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 and you didn't get to what you needed to. We happen to have a couple of uh, uh, young men in Talent Plus who are in a doctor, in a PhD program. They're working on their doctorates. And we have, as a very formal manner, said to them, we want you to earn your doctorate. So we are going to allow you to plan time in your schedule when you will do that instead of doing all of the urgent work that's coming at you. Every minute of the day, we're going to authorize you to just shut that off. And because if we don't, the urgent will overwhelm them and they will not make the progress they need to make toward their doctorate. So that's the kind of thing we're talking about. And you can make decisions to do that. And we didn't think this up. The first time I read it was Stephen Covey. But as a matter of fact, I've done some research and it dates back to Dwight D. Eisenhower, who, uh, former president of the United States, by the way, uh, who used to be very intentional about planning his time so that the urgent did not overwhelm the important. And you are well advised because you model this incredibly well. It's a lesson that I know Kyle and I both know have witnessed, have experienced through you, just where you prioritize that relationship time, the development time of anybody that's working on your team. So, Larry, I'm just curious, you know, the book's been out for not quite a whole year yet, uh, but, you know, what's been some of the, the most meaningful and impactful feedback that you've received about the book from somebody? What What's uh, what's meant a lot to you in terms of feedback? I'm just curious. I know we're, we're just about out of time, but I, I'm real curious about the answer to that question. I have received feedback from several people who have said that based on reading the book, it is changing the way they're dealing with their children. And you know what? 
there's not, it doesn't get a heck of a lot better than that. So that has been uh, far and away the most meaningful feedback I've gotten about the book. Uh, the other thing I just got even this morning, somebody's reading the book and they they were commending me uh, on the very, very short chapters, the super short chapters. I think the super short chapters fits modern times. Uh, people need to get things in smaller packages, not have to read a 50 page chapter in order to get a lesson. And so I also feel good about the decision uh, that Kim Turnage and I made that we were going to have. And when I say super short, short to the listeners who haven't bought the book, I'm talking about three page chapters, four page chapters. Uh, even a couple of chapters are, are a page and a half uh, where there's a lesson in there. There's a way to, there's an experiment in there. So there you can get the information you need. You don't have to spend a huge amount of time. So uh, those two things are what's top of mind when I'm thinking about positive feedback from this book. Well, I'm talking about positive feedback. Uh, what do we uh, what do you have in store for our listeners next week? Next week, we are going to focus on the final chapter of the book. This is going to be the final uh, podcast in our series. And the final chapter of the book is about expressing appreciation. And so we might talk about it a little bit about expressing appreciation, but what we are going to do as a team is express our appreciation for people who have made a difference in our lives. Well, Larry, I appreciate you and Kim uh, giving us some of your thoughts of wisdom today. That's our show for today, everybody. Uh, it was great to have your ear for a little bit of time today, and we will see you next week when we talk about appreciation. Until then, manage to make a difference in those around you. Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.